How do we know it's true? More than ever, it's an important question. Fake news, conflicting viewpoints, how do we know what to believe? On one level, if the confusion over truth were just confined to the political realm, one opinion would be to block the media noise, wait for the next election cycle, and hope things get better. But we can't do that in all of life. Our daily lives, how we interact with those we love, our eternal future, truth in these areas doesn't change with the political climate. Hi, I'm Yvonne Pran, and welcome to Bible 805. Unlike the political noise, in spiritual realities, truth matters. And in our podcast today, we're going to talk about how we can find truth. The Bible tells us that God put eternity in our hearts. And in part, I think that means that we can't help but think spiritual thoughts. So we ask questions like these. Where do I go for peace and meaning? Is there forgiveness or hope for me? Is there a God And what is he like? What happens after I die? Most people today believe they'll live forever, but I always say the real question is, in which neighborhood? There's a current TV program about the afterlife called The Good Place, and the premise of A Good Place assumes there's also a bad place. Now, it's supposed to be a funny TV show, but the question of our eternal destiny is one of the most serious questions of life. And so, with this and all of the similar spiritual questions that keep us awake at night, where can we go for true answers? I propose that we can find true answers in the Christian Bible. Why I believe that and want you to have confidence in it also is what I want to share with you in this podcast. This podcast, this individual podcast, is the start of a series entitled History and Truth, How We Got the Christian Bible. And I'm doing this as a foundational one where we will explore in detail why we can have confidence in the Christian Bible. Now, before I start, I want to give you a few of important clarifications. I am not a professional theologian or an expert in philosophy or apologetics. There's lots of good websites and resources and podcasts for all of that if you want that. The way I describe myself is I'm a writer and a teacher for Jesus, and I'd like to share what I've studied and presented to many Sunday school classes and church classes that I've taught. I'm doing this podcast in response, in part, to many of my former students who've asked me to put together something like this, but also for my friends who don't go to church and who I'd like to share my faith with, and finally for any of you anywhere who are searching for spiritual answers. Now before I get into the content, let me tell you a little bit about how I found answers for my spiritual questions. I grew up in the church, I was involved with church all my life, but I got to a place where I started to question, is it really true? How do I know that all I've been taught about God isn't just a party line? How do I know what I believe is any better than any other religion? Now, this all happened shortly after I graduated from college. That's where many of us start questioning things. And maybe it was because I love studying and research. But when I questioned my faith, the way I decided to answer it, and this might be a little odd, but I decided I'd get a master's degree in church history. I also decided to do that research at a secular university because, again, I didn't want just Christian answers to my questions. This is what I was thinking. I thought, if I can find out what has been determined to be true in the Christian faith through all the centuries, 
I might have a more solid foundation for my faith. The Christian faith is supposed to be based on historical realities. I'd heard that, but I didn't know if it was true. I wanted to find out. After graduate school in history, I then attended seminary, and since then I've spent many years reading the Bible all the way through and in a lot of additional personal study. After all this study and years of teaching what I've learned, my hopes have not been disappointed. On the basis of my studies, I'm excited to share the solid, historical, and true foundation we have for the Christian faith, which I find, by the way, many Christians don't understand. They don't really know what they have. And most people, well, I would say probably everybody outside the church, has no idea that that truth is there. What you'll discover is fascinating, and if you listen closely and with an open heart, it may change your life. So to include this introduction, this podcast today and all the ones coming up are not professional theological sermons. But if you'd like to share a journey on how we got our Bible and why we can trust it from a fellow pilgrim follower of Jesus, which with maybe a slightly different approach than what you've heard from other teachers, let's get started. Now let me give you an overview of Bible 805 in this podcast series. First we're going to talk about what is truth. That's what this episode is about. Then I will share how history can help us decide. Then we'll look at the history of how the Bible was put together because if I'm going to use the Bible for our foundational truth and proof of what I'm teaching you, you really need to understand that. I do believe the Bible is a true representation of what we need to learn about life, God, now, and forever. But after, but we've got to set a foundation to do that. After we set that foundation, this podcast will take a couple of paths that will sort of happen as I <laughs> decide to get them done. Um, one, I'm going to encourage you in joining me in reading through the Bible in chronological order at the beginning of the year. I do this every year. You can start it at any time. We'll go through the Bible in a series of podcasts, but in addition to that, I also want to put in topical studies here and there that I pray will really help you apply what's in the Bible. Because the most important thing about the Christian life is not just that it's founded on true history and facts. That's important, but it's about, the most important thing is, it's about an eternal relationship with Jesus. It's about coming to Him for forgiveness and salvation and then learning how to live and grow as His disciple. Because this relationship is far too important to be founded on a lie, let's get into our topic today, which is, what is truth? First, we're going to talk about what truth isn't. Truth is not an opinion or whatever we want it to be. That's a really popular view today. You have your truth, I have my truth. Sounds great, sounds so nice, sounds so let's get along with everybody, but it is really dumb. Because when you think about it, that idea violates the most basic logic of the law of non-contradiction, which is that two contradictory things can't both be true. Either you're listening to this podcast or you aren't. 
In a religion, all religions can't be true because their teachings contradict each other. Now, this is really important because a lot of people think all religions teach the same thing. They don't. And we will go back to this point a number of times in this series of podcasts. But let me just give you one example to start with. Different religions have different views of Jesus. Now, all religions agree that he existed. However, to the Muslims, he was a prophet, but not God. To the Mormons, they may use many of the same terms, but how they define those terms do not have the same meanings as the Bible does when it talks about Jesus. Hindus, Buddhists, and many people today believe that he was a good man. He was a good teacher, but no different than many others who went before him and who have come after him. Jesus, however, said some things about himself that are in absolutely direct contradiction to all the other views about him when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What he was saying is that the only true way to know God and have our sins forgiven and have an eternal relationship with God is through Jesus. Now these are very strong words, but this is not the only place Jesus made statements like that. Throughout the record of his life found in the Bible, he continuously affirmed that he was God, not just a nice man, not just a good teacher. And he demonstrated that reality by forgiving sins, healing, raising the dead, teaching with authority, and emphasizing that he was God. And he ultimately proved that on the basis of the historically verifiable resurrection. What I've just said about Jesus is in direct contradiction to many of these other religious views. They can't all be true because they're mutually exclusive. Now at this time, we're not going to argue about which one is the correct view, but I want you just to understand that many people with the best of intentions have very different views about who Jesus is. And you see, to say that all religions are the same, you aren't really respecting all of the different religions because they say very different things. People who say that, I always know that they haven't honestly studied the other religions. So respectfully, we need to find out which one is true and what that truth is founded on. Now, as we continue to lay this foundation as we explore truth, let's next go to the fact that something is not true simply because it is internally consistent. Now this is really important because this takes the next step in how you evaluate a religious system. A religious system may be internally consistent as you study it, as you read about it, as you look at it, but the foundation that it's built on may not be true. And that should then cause you to question the entire system. I realize that what I just said sounded really confusing and you're thinking, what is she talking about? But let me give you an, a couple of examples, and I think this will really make sense. One of the best examples for how this works is what happens when we watch a science fiction movie. All the worlds created by science fiction are internally consistent, but that doesn't mean that the sci-fi movie world is itself true, because the world is created 
based on fantasy, not fact. For example, we know that the Force is a creation of George Lucas, and the Thor, Iron Man, and the Hulk are the creations of Stan Lee's imagination. However, within a particular movie, they are consistent with the worldview of that movie, and they act with supernatural powers and the laws of the movie world to govern their actions. We don't question whether the Iron Man can really fly, or that Thor's hammer has incredible power in the action of a movie. But if we try to take that worldview outside the movie, we'll have problems. Because that worldview, no matter how much sense it makes in the movie, doesn't correspond to reality in the real world. Thor isn't going to show up to help with his hammer, and the Iron Man won't fly to our rescue. It's like that with the various religious systems. A religious system might make sense internally, The stories within it may be consistent with the belief system on which it is founded. But if that belief system is not based on reality in the physical, historical world, if it's simply based on fables and legends, it makes about as much sense to trust it for eternal salvation as it would be to, as they say, trust the Force. This is one of the basic questions I was asking when I decided to explore this because everything I'd been taught was consistent within the whole Christian worldview and my family and my relatives and the people that I love and all that. But I wanted to know if it was true outside of that. And keep that in mind because this we'll talk about this in much more detail when we talk about the different religious systems and what they're based on. Now, if truth is not based on opinion or because it's internally consistent, what is truth? Truth is what corresponds to reality. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines truth in this way. It says, Truth is the body of real things, events, and facts, the property of being in accord with fact or reality. Norm Geisler, the Christian apologist, adds sort of the reverse to this, where he says, Falsehood does not correspond. The intent behind the statement is irrelevant. If it lacks proper correspondence with reality, it is false. So, then the question is, how do we know if what the Bible says corresponds to reality? Now, history is the option that I chose to find that out. Others have chosen philosophy, mathematics, various disciplines, but for me, it was history. Again, I'm really not sure why probably because I didn't do so well in philosophy classes or in math for that matter. But for me, it was history. And that's why I'll be sharing what I've learned with you from that study. With history, I believe that it is obviously foundational to any belief system. It only makes sense to me that for any religion to be true theologically, it should also have a true historical basis. Now, every religion requires the believers in that religion accept more than facts and that they have faith. There's always a final leap of faith and a submission of our will to God involved if we're going to be a true believer. Now, remember, people saw Jesus in the flesh. They saw his miracles. They saw him die and live again. And they still did not believe he was the Savior of the world. So I know that anything I teach you will not automatically cause you to believe or trust the Christian faith. However, again, I can't emphasize enough that the historical facts of any religion should be true. They should correspond to reality outside the belief system. You don't 
want to base your eternal destiny on stories, no matter how well-meaning or fascinating or who told them without a factual basis. I don't believe you can go from a foundation of fanciful tales to ultimate spiritual truth. Now, the Christian faith claims it is historical and evidential. That means Christians believe that it is founded on true history based on true evidence. Now, just a little sort of side thing before I get into more. That's why I named this podcast Bible 805, because 805 is a real area code in a real place. And I believe the messages in the Bible are just as real and tangible as where I live. Just one little tiny note on this. The picture on the podcast image of a palm tree is an actual palm tree in my front yard. It's a real palm tree in a real place. And every time you look at that podcast image, I want it to be a reminder that we're talking about real spiritual truth. Now, it seems like if I'm saying that, that if the Bible is based on true history, we should be able to talk about historically real places and events in the Bible. And this is where it really gets fun. Um, The examples like the ones that follow will be in many of the podcasts, and there are so, so many of them. But I want to give you just a couple of them to get started on how how we illustrate how the Bible is full of historical statements that can be verified outside the Bible, that are true based on what we know outside the Bible from outside the Bible historical sources. Things that we find out from secular history, archaeology, writings of people that lived at the time that those things took place. Now let's look at two examples. In the New Testament it says in Luke 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And in the Old Testament, in 2 Kings 18.13, it says, In the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah's reign, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. Now, if the Christian faith is truly historical and evidential, we'd expect these events to correspond to historical fact that can be verified outside the Bible. And they do. Now, for the first example, every kid knows that Caesar Augustus lived from 63 BC to 14 AD. There are really no doubts about his life, when and where he existed, that the census was taken, all of that a Roman world existed. All of these things we know were true and happened. Many historical documents and archaeological evidence support this history. And two, this is something people have heard every time they hear the the uh, Christmas story about the birth of Jesus. You know, and in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken, and Mary and Joseph, etc., etc. We don't even stop to think that this is true history. And as we go along these podcasts, you'll see why this is so important. The second passage, the Old Testament one, is a little bit more elusive. Now, not very many people have heard about Sennacherib. Now, he was really an interesting person, and when we talk about Old Testament history, I'll share a lot more about him, because he he was really a fascinating person. But we do have some extraordinary historical verification of this passage in what's called Sennacherib's prism. Now, this is a big clay hexagonal cylinder that's covered with little tiny cuneiform writing. Now, on it, he wrote what are called his Sennacherib's Annals. Now these retell his victories. 
this gentleman, according to all of the evidence we found, he really liked talking about himself because we have lots of copies from things that go back almost 3,000 years. These clay prisms that are extremely detailed history. We um, actually have three of them, one in the British Museum, one in Chicago, and one in Jerusalem. So we have not only just one instance, but three of them. And one of the passages on the prism, he says... Sennacherib says this of Hezekiah, As for the king of Judah, Hezekiah, who had not submitted to my authority, I besieged and captured 46 of his fortified cities, along with many smaller towns taken in battle with my battering rams. As for Hezekiah, I shut him up like a caged bird in his royal city of Jerusalem. Here is a pagan king writing almost 3,000 years ago, who says basically the same thing at the same time and about the same place as this passage in the Bible. These are not isolated examples. It's as if the biblical writers went out of their way to document the historical setting of what they wrote. Luke, in his Gospel and in the book of Acts, continuously lists who was ruling at the time, where things happened, the exact titles for leaders that historians and archaeologists have confirmed and continue to confirm to this day. Isaiah and the other prophets clearly state when they were preaching, when certain events happened, based on who was king at the time, what was going on in the surrounding countries. These names and places they list again and again can be confirmed outside the biblical record in secular history and archaeology. This is one reason why it is so important to read the Bible books of history at the same time reading the prophets. It takes the prophets out of the realm of being just these weird old guys who are ranting and raving about who knows what to what they were in reality, which is God's spokesman speaking to specific events in history. But we'll we'll get to that more um, next year when we go through in detail um, the Bible. But that's, again, let me just put a plug in ahead of time for reading through the Bible in chronological order, because the plan that I will give you will put the prophets in their proper historical places. And I promise you, it will make the Bible come alive in a way to you that you can't imagine if you've never read it this way. But that's because you're reading it with respect. You're reading it as true history. God spoke in true history, and just just wait, it'll, it'll be wonderful. But moving right along, this relationship of events and people in the Bible that can be verified in documents, archaeology, and history written outside the biblical record are what I call historical markers. These are the things that testify to the Bible's reliability as a historical document. And if any religion, I propose, is going to be true and can be trusted truly, the historical markers should be there. Just because religious documents such as the Bible have these, again, it's a long way from saying it's a divine document, but it does make it one that is historically trustworthy. Now that might seem obvious that your faith should have a true, verifiable historical foundation. But, and this is a surprise to many, this characteristic of Christianity, that it is historically verifiable, is totally unique 
to the extent that it is in the religions of the world. This is not a put-down of other religions or an arrogant statement, but it's incredibly important to understand. Now, I will be giving you specific examples of this when I get to the podcast, and it's, mm, I think, two or three away, of, of why the Bible is unique among all other scriptures. You don't want to miss that. But back, moving back to our topic today, though important, once again, we can't make too much out of historical verification. We must acknowledge that just because you can trust the historical veracity of the Bible, it doesn't automatically mean you'll trust the God of the Bible. But I believe it's a good foundation and a very essential one. Now, in the next podcast, we're going to look at how historians evaluate the truth of documents because this is super important because you've got to know when they were written. I mean, if, if something was written before something happened, it's, it's really important and we can call it true prophecy. But if it was written after the fact and just reporting on what happened in the past, mm, big deal. So we need to understand how do historians date documents how do we know whether these things were truly written when the Bible says they were? How do we know the Bible hasn't been recopied and recopied so many times that we don't know what it said originally? That's all coming in the next podcast. Please check out the show notes, the transcript of this podcast, www.bible805.com. Until next time, I'm Yvonne Pran your fellow pilgrim, writer, and teacher for Jesus, and I'd like to close with this benediction. May you know the invitation of God to move from confusion to clarity, from wandering to rest, from loneliness to knowing you're loved, from turmoil to peace, from wherever you are on your spiritual journey to a growing knowledge of your God and His Word. Amen.